You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Let's go to the book of Acts this evening, if you would. Acts chapter 1, please. Uh, if you'd like to personally uh, help with, with Hope House, we do have uh, in, the, in the table here in the, in the foyer a, a stand-up uh, uh, little banner there. It's all in Spanish, so I don't expect many of you will understand the whole thing. However, there's cards here. They're also in Spanish, but they have QR codes that can lead you to the right place if you'd like to uh, partner with, with this project. Also, uh, on the table we have... Uh, allowed me to write a few years ago. It's called Connected Marriage, and it's a, it's a book that is five lessons. And the people who usually take it, their marriages are bettered, and, and, and some people... God has used this to really uh, fix some things that were, were really shattered in their home. And so I just uh, wanted to put that out there as well. It's in English. We don't do a whole lot of English materials uh, or have those on hand, but we do have those. And if you'd like them, they're at a cost of $10 uh, per book. Acts chapter <clears throat> 1, and I do appreciate uh, the longtime friendship. And it's a, it's a real joy and blessing to come to a place and see an old an old friend like Jeremy and, and, and Joanna, and to see how long, I mean, uh, Jeremy was uh, our, my, my wife's youth pastor, as he commented, and, and his dad's such a special, special influence in my life that I rejoice for, and uh, his brother Joel, and just longtime friends for so many years. Nate Johnson's a long friend. Uh, we know Dan Bybee. I don't know, I don't know that it's wise to say friend, but we've known Dan Bybee for years. I'll leave it at that. Dan, you're a blessing. I had to throw that out there because he, he threw something at me and the, when we were shaking hands with Brother Fats, he threw something at me. I just, I just had to. It just had to, had to happen that way, Brother. Um, but he, he, he'll, he'll get the microphone later and say something, so uh, that's, that's fine. The book of Acts. Aren't you glad for the book of Acts? I compared Jesus' discipleship of his, uh, his, his 12 specific disciples, 11, of course, with Judas, who disqualified himself as Bible college, four years of Bible college, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And after those three and a half years with Jesus, you, you find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John theories? No, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John acts. Something needed to happen, and something did happen. Your Bible says the acts of the apostles, most likely in the title, as does mine. I prefer to call it the acts of Jesus through his church and through the apostles. And so we go to chapter 1 and verse 1, and there's an introduction here uh, to the people, and it says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, that of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And so what is Dr. Luke here doing? He's referring us back to the Gospel of Luke, and something here that is so wonderful and so shocking is that everything that we saw Jesus do in, in, in the book of Luke, like incarnate, I mean, I mean, he's divine and he becomes human. That's an amazing feat, right? And when Jesus came and was born in Bethlehem, he did not forfeit his divinity. He just acquired his humanity. And he took that perfect humanity and he worked miracles and he ironed out the waves and he touched lepers that other people would run away from. He healed, uh, he healed multitudes. He fed multitudes. He gave people their sight, a, a, a wonderful miracle, which no prophet of the Old Testament had ever done was to to give sight to a blind man. And when you read the book of Luke, Jesus did so 
many wonders, did he not? Proving that he is who he says he is, right? And, and, and Jesus, according to this verse in the book of Luke, he, he was just beginning that. that. That was just the start of his mighty acts. And, and, and the Bible also says here, of all that he began to do and teach, did not Jesus give us some amazing teachings? In the book of Luke, Luke is special to me, especially chapter 15, about the value of one solitary soul, right? We, we see that repeated through the three parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the lost son. Luke chapter 16, one page over from that, the clearest presentation of how horrible and hot hell is and how wonderful and glorious heaven is and the difference between those two places as eternal destinies for people. We see that Jesus taught wonderful and amazing things throughout the book of Luke. But again, just like his acts, also his words, they were just the beginning. Because, because here's the idea, as, as the same author, Luke, brings us into the book of Acts, referring back to Luke, is, is this, and, and you, all know, you all know this, Luke is what Jesus did in his physical body. The book of Acts is what he will do through his spiritual body, the church. He's not... Stopping. He's not postponing. He's not hitting the pause button on his work. He will work. It will just stop being a different method, a different way through other people. Amen. Amen. And, 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 and that's the idea here in the book of, of Acts. And, and one other thing in the book of Acts, the difference between Luke and Acts, I want to say, in, in Luke, one thing that you and I, as born again Christians, nor Bibles, love, true, holy, good, sound doctrine. Everything needed to secure and pay for our redemption and our eternal life was accomplished, not in part, but fully by Christ Jesus, crucified, buried, and risen again. Everything, everything we needed for heaven to be our home was made there at Calvary. Amen. There's no thing to add on to that or to take from it to get us to heaven. Praise God. However, the book of Acts that the preaching of that message does continue. Right. The work is done, the preaching of it is not. Right. And the book of Acts brings to us this idea of this conversation as Jesus goes up into heaven and he's not going to stop working. The question is, through whom will he work and how will he do that? And verse 2 says, until the day that he was taken up, after that through the Holy Ghost he had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. And so he has this conversation with the apostles to open up the book. And verse 6, the Bible says something curious here. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, now, now what a question this is. He's just about to ascend up to the right hand of the Father, and their idea is, oh, he's going to go up there and sit there for maybe a couple minutes and come right back and give me all the stuff that I was hoping he would give me, right? Because these are Jewish Christians, and he's wanting them to lift up the yoke of Rome from off of them so that they will be now uh, happy and peaceful and content and healthy and all that stuff which Jesus, they are hoping, will give him instantaneously. So, 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 so they ask the question, and now I, I enjoy listening to these conversations with the discipleships because uh, with, with the disciples and Jesus because frankly, my friends, forgive the word, but they're knuckleheads sometimes. Are they not? Sure. Did Jesus not tell them so many times that nobody knows the day or the hour? And the last question before he goes off to his set, the heaven is, we're, we're going back. We're going back right now or what? <laughs> and, and, and Jesus. 
in a wonderful way in, in, verse, in verse 7. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. And if you could write a little note after verse 7, God didn't give us his calendar. Didn't do that. But he does in verse 8 give us something. But you shall receive. Here's what you're going to get. I'm not giving you my calendar. I'm not giving you my watch. But I'm going to give you power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Here's the idea in verse 7 and verse 8. Here's the whole context. One beautiful and glorious day, Jesus will descend from heaven he will return to this earth to put all unjust things in their just order. He will set and show before all nations his authority, his beauty, his divinity, and his conquering salvation. He will do that one day. But until he does, And it all starts here in chapter 1. And what we see through the book of Acts is, is that the disciples get this gigantic commandment of, of what to do until Jesus comes back. And this will be dangerous. This will take faith. This will take more than they have of their limited resources. But it will get done. It is the great commission given to us that is to go from where they are, Jerusalem, Judea, which is the state in which is contained the city of Jerusalem, Samaria, which is up going toward the north, which is a mix of Greek and Jewish cultures within the Samaritan people, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's the Great Commission. And it was given to them really as not an easy task and even not a hard task. This, my friends, was an impossible task. Well, not. How is this an impossible task? Well, first of all, numerically, this was an impossible task because they have been commissioned to reach everyone on the face of the earth. And according to verse 15, this church was about two or three times smaller than Victory Baptist Church. It was 120 people that, that, that got it. And you would kind of think to yourself, well, if, if the Lord's going to reach the nations, I mean, he kind of needs a mega church, right? You know, something like Joel Osteen's size. No, 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 no. That, that's not what God... gigantic task, but the power would not be in multitudes of people and their personalities. The power would be in verse 8, according to the Spirit of God, filling those few people. Amen. Uh, uh, also, can I just say to this, this was also socially impossible, because who were the first preachers? They weren't guys who had a million Twitter followers, to say. And, and they weren't the elites. They weren't the graduates of Gamaliel Seminary. These were rustic and rough Galilean men who just knew what Jesus had did for them. And, and basically, none of them had a major political platform. And, and, and I remember, folks, when I got saved in the mid-90s, Michael Jordan was at like the zenith of his Chicago Bulls basketball career. And I remember praying, Lord, would you please save Michael Jordan? And, and I remember thinking, 
if this guy can fill the world with Nikes, he could fill the world with the gospel, couldn't he not? <laughs> and, and you sometimes think for, for, for a job so big, the Lord almost needs people who are famous to bring him forth. But the Lord chooses to use not many noble and not many mighty who are called. He, he's not going to reach the world through the power of a political platform or a political party or people who are elite in this world. He's going to use people who go in the power of the Spirit to do His work. Can I also say that monetarily this was an impossible task? Can, can you imagine getting the commandment to reach the whole world. And, and what does the Bible say about this church at Jerusalem? Do you ever notice in the rest of the book of Acts, they're always sending love offerings back to these people because they're broke? <laughs> Amen? And, and, and the Bible says in, in, in Romans chapter 15, verse, verse 26, these were the poor saints of Jerusalem. Now, I would tend to think, if we have to reach the world, that word go is very, very costly these days. And I've never gotten on a plane and they say, oh, you're a missionary to Mexico, you're a missionary to the Lord. Never gotten that. Still waiting on that one. The word go is costly, my friends. But God does not need a wealthy church. He looks for a spirit-filled church. And we rejoice for the gifts. We rejoice for how faithful victory has been. You know, every month-by-month month giving and, and, and at the end of the year a special offering, we, 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 we certainly are blessed uh, by that and, and encourage you to give. But, but if you're one of those who isn't very well off, e even you, even you, God calls to be part of this work. Uh, also, I just want to say, number four, technologically, this was an impossible task. In, in, in you know, the, the modes of travel, when you read the book of Acts, I mean, nobody's even got a scooter to ride on. I mean, nobody's flying on a plane like we, we get from Mexico City to Chicago O'Hare or some past Germany in four hours. How, how technology has facilitated the movement of missionaries and the gospel in this world, right? I heard of a man who wanted to reach Islamic people in Baghdad or one of those major Islamic cities and decided uh, in, a, in a very genius way he was going to give away free internet to the people on the city buses, but for all these Islamic people to check in on his web, um, they had to watch the explanation of John 3.16, first of all. What a, what a genius way to reach people. But, but, but my friends, the, the, the first apostles, nobody had a website. Nobody, nobody flew around on, you know, on the planes we fly around it, and yet they turned the world upside, upside down without the help of technology. I'm, I'm in favor of technology because technology gives wings to a gospel that is powerful, faster, further, right? But however, however, even if we didn't have all that, we still could and should evangelize the world because the power is not in an iPhone. The power is, according to verse 8, in the Spirit of God filling us. And so that's the book of Acts. And I just want to take you through what uh, Paul refers to in Philippians as the progress or the furtherance of the gospel and share with you how this group, uh, by the time we get to about halfway through the book, they turn the world upside down. And so let's look at Acts chapter 1 real quick in verse 15 just to see the numbers that God is careful to tell us here. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, now there's a parenthesis here because God said it would be important, the number of names together were about 120. And so what takes place? In chapter 1 and chapter 2, they procure 
what Jesus commanded them to procure and wait for what Jesus commanded them to wait for, the, the leadership and empowering of the Spirit of God. And so there's this amazing, uh, uh, this amazing feast coming up in Jerusalem where literally thousands of Jews from all over the Roman Empire are going to converge on Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost was a, 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 a celebration of a, a, a feast, that of a harvest. And so uh, little did these people know that a grand harvest of souls was going to take place. And what happens? Spirit-filled Peter, the same one that denied Jesus three, three, three times, just uh, 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 about uh, less than two months earlier, he stands up with boldness, and he's a different Peter because he's filled by the Spirit of God, and he preaches, and look what it says in verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about, what does it say, church? 3,000 souls. And so I, I, I would say that was a good Sunday. <laughs> Not a bad Sunday at church. You start off with 120, the church has 3,120. But the call was not to just multiply within Jerusalem. The call was to continue reaching everyone that they could come in contact with. And look in verse 47, what the Bible says about that church. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. And so that church continued to do outreach within the book, uh, in, in, in the book of Acts throughout Jerusalem. Now, chapter 4, please, if you would go there. Uh, we just read how the church had a special favor in the community uh, for the way that they acted, the way that they loved each other. Uh, but now you start to feel, by the time you get to Acts chapter 4, some pushback from the religious leaders, and they throw them in jail. And look in verse 4, if you would. It says, after having preached, and they threw him in jail, what we understand is you can throw the preacher in jail, but his message is free. His message does not go to jail. Verse 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of them was about 5,000. So now you have a church that is 8,120 at least in, 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 in attendance and in, uh, in, in, in those who were saved. In, in chapter 5, please, if you go to chapter 5, uh, another imprisonment takes place here. The, uh, the disciples are, are joyful for the, the, the blessing to, to serve, and they're fearless before the council. And I just want to bring out a, uh, a, a, a verse here in verse 28. It says, saying, Do we not strictly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, what do they say? You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And so Jerusalem, for the vast and great city that it was, in a very short time by a spirit-filled church, they did phase one of the Great Commission and they filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. And this isn't Peter saying, hey, look at all the people we brought to church. This is an enemy of the gospel admitting something, which makes the argument even stronger that yes, this did happen. And so, my friends, can I challenge you? I know that you all give to missions, but Friend Day's coming up. And have you filled Roanoke Rapids with your doctrine? Have you filled Roanoke Rapids with your gospel, with your Savior's knowledge to your neighbors and to your coworkers and family members and the person across the street that doesn't know left from right spiritually? And I, I want to encourage you and push you that direction because as we talk about missions, I come grateful as a missionary, but, but I can't be here and, and I'm not called to be here, but you certainly are. And so I want to encourage you to reach your 
Jerusalem. Amen. And, 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 and then let's go to chapter 8, please, in verse 1. I'm going to try to talk fast, faster than the clock is moving. I'm, I'm going to get there. Chapter 8, verse 1. Um, a first martyr had to give his life. The word witness in chapter 1, verse 8 is literally the word martyr. And Stephen, gloriously, was that first martyr of the Christian era who gave his life seeing his Savior at the right hand of God. Amen? And in Saul, it says in verse 1, was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they that were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And in just studying the book of Acts a couple years ago, I realized that Acts chapter 1-8 and Acts chapter 8-1, they hitched together so beautifully and so perfectly because the call of Acts chapter 1 verse 8 was Jerusalem, and that were, where were the two next missionary frontiers? Judea and Samaria. And through an unexpected and unwanted means, the disciples were scattered abroad. And look what it says in verse 4. And they that went everywhere, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere hiring lawyers to get their lands back. Doesn't say it. <laughs> and why? Because these people were not earthly focused. They didn't care about that. They went everywhere preaching the word. Amen? And what I just want to tell you, what you're already seeing in the book of Acts is this very simple principle that is alive unto this day. The devil always hangs himself with his own rope. Amen? Always does. He, he raises up a persecution against the church. And the only thing that he gets out of it is a church out of a mission spreading the word in the next two missionary frontiers where they had been called to praise God. Amen. Now, now what happens? Let's Jump to Acts chapter 17, if you would. Acts chapter 17, what takes place in, 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 in chapter uh, 8, 9, and 10 is something beautiful. Uh, Noah, when he got off of his, his boat, the, the, the ark there, he had three sons by which Moses writes to us for uh, them. These were the families that overspread the earth. You had Cam, who mainly inhabited Africa. You had then Shem, uh, who inhabited the Middle East, Far East, and then you had Japheth who went toward Europe. And so what takes place in chapter 8 is beautiful. A son of Ham, the Ethiopian eunuch, gets converted unto Jesus. What happens in chapter 9? A son of Shem, Saul, becomes Paul, from assassin to apostle. A son of Shem is plucked out of the fire and saved. Amen. And then in chapter 11, us who have some kind of European descent in us, are we getting left out of the equation? Praise God, no. Southern, oh, Italian, pizza eating, spaghetti eating, crafting made Cornelius that needed Jesus, right? And God sent him the gospel. Praise to God. And what you have in chapter 8, 9, and 10 is God rolling up his sleeve, saving members of all these different races, and saying to the world, I'm about to do something internationally. For everyone. And to everyone. By my church. In chapter 17, if you would go there, we are almost, we are almost at Athens. The book of Acts starts at Jerusalem, the headquarters of Orthodox Judaism. It arrives here in chapter 17 to Athens, the headquarters of Greek philosophy and mythology, and it ends at Rome, the headquarters of the Roman Empire itself. And wherever the gospel goes, my friend, it's that power. Wherever the gospel goes, it conquers, and people are brought to Jesus, and they are transformed. 
in, in, in chapter 17, when they bring the apostles out from a house church, they can't find them, but they find Jason, who is the guy who's kind of the host of it all. And I want you to see verse 6. It says, And when they found them not, speaking of the apostles who they wanted to persecute, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither. And once again, my friends, this is not a, a, a preacher taking a selfie. Thing. Everybody smiles. Everybody faces. No puppy in my church to smile, guys. This is an, another enemy of the gospel making it a mission with you guys for a short amount of time. You turn the world upside down. Can I tell you, when we live in the world, we're used to wake up one day as John, and then by the evening, you decide to be Joanne. I'm here to tell you the world's upside down. <laughs> the world's already upside down. And when Christians turn it upside down, all it is is getting turned right side up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And, and, and so, and so, this gospel came this far, this fast, by the power of a church that was led and strengthened and encouraged and filled by the Spirit of God's power. And can I just make a time out? Because I, I'm, I'm here in America, and I serve as a missionary, and I tend to count my armies and number things. And, you know, a lot of times when we consider missions, the first thing we think of, how much money? How much of my budget can I, you know, squeeze out to give and I believe the church, the first thing we should be most concerned about is not how much money we're going to give, but if we will be spirit-filled or not. And if we're spirit-filled, then we'll give what God calls us to give and we'll go where God calls us to go. And I want to take you to chapter 28, please. Chapter 28. Um, the Apostle Paul is given a, a, a commission by Jesus when, when he got saved in chapter 9. Uh, you remember the guy who was supposed to witness to him, Ananias? And he was kind of scared because this, this guy, everywhere we go, he just kills us. And I'm kind of a little leery about witnessing to him, of course. I don't blame Ananias. It would have been the same way. And Jesus said, no, no, he's a chosen vessel. He will testify of me before the king. Amen. God is on a mission with his people. He's prompted to see him. Because the world at large worships the speaker as God is army. And he worthy of adoration and praise. And so Paul was on a straight course. He was going to get to Rome. And even in the, in the middle of it, um, he, he was settled by Jesus himself in, in one of the chapters here in Acts. I can't name it off the top of my head. It was, as he testified to me in Jerusalem, he will testify to me in Rome. So I have news for you. If God set his sovereignty is over Paul, he's getting there. He will get there. Now, now a lot of things happen on the and so, and so Paul, the first thing is some, some guys want to kill him. They said, we're not eating until we kill Paul. I got news. I got news for those guys. God had to eat over his life. He was going to get to Jerusalem. It would take months to die from him. Yes. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You made a different role. Because he's going to Rome. He will go to Rome. He gets on a boat. And you know the story. Missionaries and those travels, right? There's a rule, especially this time of year, the fall, every year, when they start giving names to the storms, don't go on the boat. <laughs> Is that true or not? Are we not in hurricane season? 
right? And, and they didn't give a nice name, like Hurricane Katrina or Hurricane Donna. Or, it was your rock with it. Yeah. I, I don't know what that means, but it just sounds like something crazy, like Medusa creature coming out of the sea that was going to kill them. And, and basically, they would have died. seen the stars of the sun for weeks at a time. They're all shivering and freezing, and they finally see land. They get there, and the Apostle Paul is like, don't you guys know if the Apostle Paul served me? He's going to set before the a fire around the eyes of the Christian. Yeah. And when he makes the fire, he sends his servants down to the fire and fight them and simply shake them off. The reason he shook them off And in verses 30 and 31, it says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house. And I'm just like, Paul, finally, you get a break, bro. <laughs> don't you kind of think about that? Like, like Paul, just put your feet up, man. Drink a, I don't know, drink a Starbucks or something and just enjoy life. You've been through a lot. I mean, they stoned you. They, you know, you know, he, he talks in 2 Corinthians about all the stuff he went through and 40 stripes say one, all the whippings and the beatings. I mean, Paul says, I bear in my body the mark. And, and for Paul, the mark that Jesus was like a tattoo of a cross on his forearm. It was, a, it was literally a scar that was inflicted upon him. And I just wanted to be like, Paul, you did your job. He's up. Bible says at the end of the verse, and he received all that came into him. He was a notorious, notorious criminal, quote unquote, that everybody had to hear from of what he had to say. And he took advantage of every opportunity to give the gospel, so much so that when he writes from that prison to the Philippians, he says, you know, like, look out, these guys can see the power of the same night. Yeah, so, so Paul was like bound and like stuck to a guy. Paul was witnessing everywhere. And I want to take you to verse 31 to conclude. And I want you to notice the participles here. Uh, you say, Brother Kevin, what's a participle? I don't know. It just sounds good. No. Um, a preterite or a past tense is something. A participle is of the continuum. Something that is still happening. Not just that happened. In the past. And so verse 31, what did Paul do when he gets to Rome? It doesn't say he preached the kingdom of God, but he was preaching continuously. That's the idea in the Greek and in the English. Preaching the kingdom of God. There's the first participle. Second one, and teaching. There it is again. Those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. And thirdly, no man forbidding. Preaching, teaching, no man forbidding. Yeah. And here... and I hope it's a blessing. Uh, there are arguments from what is said, but there are also arguments in Scripture from silence. In most of our New Testament books, what word, Victory Baptist, Wednesday night crowd, what, what do they end with? They end with amen. Because the idea was God gives the purpose of the book and then he closes it. He gives it closure that this is what happened. That, that's Galatians where 
Paul is, is moved. He doesn't want them reverting back to the works of the Old Testament law for their, for their justification. And he, and he says, the Lord Jesus Christ speaks through the Spirit. Amen. Revelation, right? This is what God's going to do at the end of it all. He may be ready for our Lord Jesus Christ to speak with you. Amen. Close. So this church has been very, very blessed, but I, I just want to say, Friend Day is coming up, and the work continues. Yeah, and then the next day after that, so the, the work continues. You right. rub shoulders with lost people. If they took their last breath, they would go to the lake of fire. And, and the work, my friends, continues. Missionaries will come through here. We're going to have missions conferences. And it may not be the church where I did last year this and how last year. Maybe be the people of the Book of Acts. We understand. continues. So I want to put that before myself, put that before you all as a challenge, and may we not rest until the Lord comes back for us or until we go to him. Let's pray. Dear Father, we bless you and we thank you, gracious name, Lord. You, Jesus, came to this world and you saved that which was lost and we are thanking you today. What a wonderful group on a Wednesday night, Lord, an encouraged group, an encouraging group, and in the song that we heard and in just all the ages here. Lord, help us to ever be thankful for what has happened in the past and rejoice over that, but also may we be a people in the present that continuously does your work, Father, until you come home. I pray your gracious and most favorable blessing and guidance and wisdom upon Pastor Jeremy, all these dear brothers who serve with him in the ministry and this wonderful church. May it be a strong and an evangelistic church until you come back in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.